Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of Being Borderless. Uh, thank you for being with me today and giving me your time. This is another special episode because I'm with someone who I've been inspired by, who has mentored me, who's someone I look up to. Sometimes I look down on, <laughs> but <laughs> that's just a joke. Uh, but he's a brother from another mother, all the way from Indore, India, Mr. Indranil Roy Chaudhary. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello, Mr. Musa. Glad to be here, you know, and especially after all these positive words in a single breath. My God, <laughs> I am overwhelmed. Why Why couldn't you say yeah, this I'm... to me on face uh, otherwise? <laughs> you need a... I, I think these are all... You, you should take them for now yeah. and be happy about it because you're not going to hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play this part again and again for future self-validation. Good for you. <laughs> I think <laughs> you'll be happy to know that it will be in, always available on Spotify for you to check it out. Uh, for just a little background for people, we actually met in 2016 the first time. And this was a time when Indranil was leading the national team for Isaac for Poland. And I was in Isaac in Oman at the time uh, on the national team there. And I applied to be a part of his team. And if you know anything about recruitment cycles or recruitment processes, you should throw them out the window because my recruitment process with Mr. <laughs> Indranil was almost one month and a half. And there were a lot of applications. There were a lot of tests. Very happy that I got to be part of that team and to be under his leadership during that time. And Indranil, I want to ask you... Mm -hmm to walk us through the journey that led you to be in Poland in 2016. And we oh, can wow. start by talking a bit about how it was growing up in India and how it was, uh, how was it, how was your childhood like? Yeah, sure, man. I mean, honestly, when I was a kid back in India, uh, if you would have asked me anything about Poland, I would probably not be able to answer anything. You know, I would have said something uh, in the lines of, yeah, I've heard about the Warsaw Pact uh, because it was in my history books, and probably that's that's the only thing I knew about that uh, about about Poland. Um, but more on that later, you know. Uh, life does throw uh, unprecedented opportunities, and sometimes uh, you take them, and sometimes you don't. Uh, depends where you end up. Uh, but growing up in India, I think I was an average Joe, uh, just like millions of others <laughs> like me um I, I i think it's an environment where you grow up where you are always always active in uh in a mental sense in a physical sense because there's always so much happening uh, so mm -hmm. growing up in india i would say was a journey of trying to be better every day because you are competing for everything. You're competing for space, you're competing for recognition, you're competing for anything, you know. So even as a kid, uh, you would compete for something as simple as uh, getting the gold medal in, in the painting competition mm -hmm. when you're in nursery or something. Uh, so I would say growing up was a lot about proving myself. Uh, and it's a lot about get 
it's a lot about having your worth attached to your accomplishments uh, in a very mm-hmm. tangible form. And yeah, man, that's, uh, you know, that's how I grew up. I was an average student uh, in the beginning. Um, I did have some artistic instincts, uh, probably because of my genes, <laughs> because my parents are journalists. So I started writing some stuff. Uh, I wrote some stories and I wrote some poems. And mm-hmm. that is what uh, really made me stand out from, from the rest of my class. Um, and this is when I'm uh, seven years old or something, right? So still very early age writing, <laughs> very basic, uh, no nuances, straight story, moral of the story, always good, good always wins, <laughs> something like that. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it was a journey where I started then focusing more on education, like academics, getting good results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was never the top person, but I was ne- never in the top of the class, like never the first or the second, uh, but always like in the middle, like I always like third position, fourth position, somewhere there. Mm-hmm. And I think I, for the longest time, I, I wanted to be uh, at the top academically, uh, but I think I just accepted where I am in some sense and just tried to be you know, better than, uh, just try to score better in the next class than the previous one. So I think early on, I understood I'm not competing from others. So I didn't, I'm just having a competition with myself. And, and this was during your like high school? Yeah, this was more like middle school and high school. Uh, I also shifted cities. Uh, my, parents, my parents had a transferable job. So uh, we moved to a city called Chandigarh uh, in the Punjab mm-hmm. province of the country. Uh, yeah, it was uh, also a massive change for for me. Like those who understand the nuances and the semantics of being in the Indian subcontinent would understand that uh, moving from one state to another within that country is really changing almost every single parameter of culture, language, mm-hmm. and and other aspects. Right. So I learned mm-hmm. a new language. I had to understand new customs and new festivals and you know, different ways of approaching the same things uh, from a predominantly Hindi-speaking belt, which was Indore in Madhya mm-hmm. Pradesh, to moving to Punjab, which is, a, as the name suggests, a strongly Punjabi-speaking <laughs> province. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh, from early age, I kind of was exposed to the idea of moving around. And looking back, because, you know, as Mr. Jobs said in his famous uh, speech uh, at the Stanford, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. Uh, yep. And when I look back... Hindsight is 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving to a different city at that time was a very positive experience for me. It was challenging mm-hmm. but positive. I liked the different environment, new people, uh, Chandigarh at that time was more developed uh, as a city than others in India because uh, mm-hmm. it is one of the f- few cities that are like planned so they are not natural it was not a naturally organically grown city but it was planned mm-hmm. so like most cities in Indian subcontinent <laughs> exactly yeah so it was just okay. a new new experience in that sense yeah and then 
when was the first time that you kind of thought about moving outside outside of india oh so uh, that that is a also interesting uh exposure i would say and i think at the end of the day it's a lot about what you are exposed to like uh, early on in your age uh my extended family uh, at that time when i was still in indore and i was like less than 10 years old so i think i was uh, if i get it right i think 7 or 8 years uh at that time my extended family had this procedure of moving to australia like this immigration policy that they had mm-hmm. that's the first time i heard about the with the uh, that's the first time i heard that you could actually move out uh, just based mm-hmm. on your professional abilities and other aspects uh so my extended family moved out uh, they were going to australia and to this very day you know there are some things when you are when you are uh, small or i would say a kid uh, there are some images that that are so vivid that you can still recall to them to this very day and for mm-hmm. me that image is that one handbook that the i think australian immigration gives about australia and and sydney it's a very it, it is a very picturesque and very high quality produced uh, physical handbook uh, with all the pictures in high detail high quality uh, regarding the city and like you know things different things to do there uh and that is the first time i saw things such as a monorail uh, going above like mm-hmm. some buildings and stuff and i was like wow this is totally a different world altogether uh please bear in mind for 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 people who uh are for for people to understand it better at, until that point i had never seen physically an image or any graphical interpretation of anything from outside india so that was the first really? time yeah i had because i was uh, not exposed to television i had some curfew timings and then the only time i would uh, be able to watch television uh, would be like 7 between 7 pm to 8 pm something like this and only cartoon network uh, so animated so <laughs> so i w- i was not exposed okay. to anything realistic uh, that is not from mm-hmm. india right so that's the first time i saw these pictures and i was wondering if this is for real or this is like graphical interpretation um, i asked my family they're like no it exactly looks like this and my mind was blown uh, that day i that day i think my mind just expanded and uh somehow it somehow it got into my subconscious that hey you need to explore the world which is why i think when i was uh, in third standard so still like 9 years old there is this activity we did in the class uh, where you have to connect the numbers and it you know this activity where you connect the numbers and it uh, and a picture is found like you know it's like a very mm-hmm. uh, i don't mm-hmm. I don't even know what is a formal uh, name for that but uh, there is this activity and mine was a ship when i connected all the dots and like you know just a teacher being teacher uh, being empathetic i uh, just asked oh nice you have a ship what would you do with this ship i'm like i'm going to sail i'm going to go to australia <laughs> <laughs> so i think i think uh, that's and it's funny that i still remember this right that, that is how strong the feeling was uh, and i mean something just clicks 
and yeah i had been i had that in the back of my mind since forever that hey you know what i need to go out i need to explore the world mm-hmm. and yeah i operated from that side i think that's why i was always uh, attracted to exploring mm-hmm. uh, music from other countries uh, exploring media and um movies and all those all those things pop culture reference name it and at that time if it was available i was trying to explore it and how do you think this uh, having access to this other world mm-hmm. in a in a sense changed you as a person it definitely triggers a thought in your mind that you know the world is more than what you think it is because uh, until until that moment let's say this picture example of the sydney handbook until that moment i only thought that trains are the way i saw them in life like you know trains are those that i know uh, uh the indian railways uh, the one with mm-hmm. the, where you sleep on the train there is a bunch of people not just inside the compartment but maybe outside also <laughs> uh, you know it's just this is how the world works this is how trains work and then you see uh, these pictures and you're like wait there are no windows wait wait why are the windows not open oh my god the whole train is air conditioned what mm-hmm. <laughs> how is this possible like you know so you start thinking about these things so i believe it's a lot about ex- i believe it, it changed me as a, in a way where i realized that there will always be more to things than i think that there is so there will always be more to explore and that made me a little bit paranoid at sometimes as well that what if mm-hmm. i am not able Why to be paranoid sometimes because what what if what if uh, there is more to this and i'm and i'm just stopping here maybe there is more like you know just mm-hmm. the question of where to stop exploring uh, mm-hmm. and i think it was the beginning phase right just then figuring out the tracks now i realize that it's it's a journey you constantly explore and that's it's fine you don't have to be somewhere it's not a destination mm-hmm. where you say that my exploration has ended no it's a it's a mm-hmm. principle of life it's a way you live mm-hmm. and i'm glad that this early on exposure to these things uh, helped me navigate through different uh, perspectives like this like uh, explore see uh, look at every new thing as a as an opportunity things like that okay yeah and when was the the first time that you because i i believe like in at least as far as i know you mm-hmm. in your story isaac as an organization has yeah. played a very fundamental role yes. into who you are today indeed when was the first time that you interacted with that organization it was in my university uh when i interacted with the organization but uh, i will i will take uh, two steps back because isaac is the turnaround point for me because before that as i mentioned about exploration right so i was into a lot of things so i was i was uh, into music uh, at some point i was a band manager once i realized that i cannot play really good uh, music instrument i tried my hands on a bass guitar i think uh, that i wasn't really good at it uh, and i think people around me thought the same <laughs> which is mm-hmm. why i ended up being their brand uh, band manager uh, we we did some really cool stuff i had a small startup uh, slash organization where we started organizing live music uh, within my city and we never had like english music as such in the mainstream so i tried to like bring 
English artists uh, and English bands into our city, into our local culture. Uh, then I, for a period of time, I was into like, you know, uh, motorcycle stunting, like this kind of uh, experimenting with mm-hmm. uh, motorists. And yeah, I was part of these uh, night races where you would uh, modify your motorcycle and then you race, uh, like, you know, those, all that, all that, uh, all that excitement of uh, doing something crazy and something that has that rush. Uh, and after that, like all of these things were happening in the on the side. And then I was at some point involved in politics in my university. So mm-hmm. I really, I literally joined like official politics, uh, ran for elections mm-hmm. as one of the youngest candidates, won the elections with the help of uh, the youth wing of the current <laughs> ruling party uh, in India. So, so yeah, I was very much into it. And then at that moment, I realized uh, leadership is not what I thought it was uh, in the sense that the political organization I was a part of did not resemble to me as the leadership organization I thought it was. And I started mm-hmm. looking for opportunities where I could uh, actually develop myself. And one fine day on a visit to one of my old friends back in Chandigarh, uh, I explored and got to know about this organization. I said because he was supposed to pick me up from the from the bus station, and he forgot. That's what I thought. He forgot. Uh, apparently, he didn't. Uh, it's just that he had some urgent thing to do for his organization that mm-hmm. he newly joined. And uh, <laughs> I was very curious. Uh, what is this organization that is taking? the preference over his friend coming from 1000 kilo 1000 plus kilometers away from other part of the country he told me about the organization later on i really was interested i came back home explored figured out there is this organization and uh, reached out to them my university mm-hmm. that's how it happened man <laughs> and then you started like in the local chapter i did i did i started in, in the local the chapter uh my only go- my only goal at that time was to have something interesting uh, to do because mm-hmm. uh, this is a direct comment on on the education system that we have in india especially in the universities like uh, there was nothing exciting going on education wise like uh, it was the books and it was the theory uh, mm-hmm. There was no practical application as such. Uh, even the practical applications were, <laughs> in turn, uh, they had a template. So even the practical thing that we were supposed to do already had a template on how to do it. So, uh, yeah, I, I wanted something else to do, something exciting. And how did that lead you then to Australia? Oh, so uh, I joined the organization just to contribute and just to have a good time uh, and develop myself a little bit on the go because uh, just just a background point, like I come from what you would classify as a lower middle class economical background. So uh, for me, getting a good job was the prime focus and mm-hmm. having this kind of exposure would guarantee uh would guarantee an edge uh, in getting getting good job prospects and that was the initial aim right uh, 
once I got more involved with the organization, I realized that there is so much more to this than trying to have a good job. Uh, there is so much you can do as a young person to change yourself and then uh, in turn change people around you. And mm-hmm. the satisfying feeling of being value of being able to contribute some value to others mm-hmm. and to people around was addictive, man. It's a, it was really addictive. And yeah. the sense of gratification you feel uh, when people express their, themselves around you, uh, it, it was just overwhelmingly addictive. Uh, something that I had not experienced in my academic life uh, at all before. Mm-hmm. And it's an organization that sort of brings like-minded people together who want to contribute to be a better person for themselves and then maybe for others uh, around. Mm -hmm. So then you have a common theme. And I think just like any other group in the world, when you have a common theme where you connect, you just enjoy being there more. And I just went on from one leadership experience to another within the organization. I went for some conferences. I was really inspired by, by people when I saw these conferences and I, when I was a part of them, I met people from all over India. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a great experience because India, as I mentioned before, is not just one country with different places. It's, it's literally yeah. an amalgamation of like different cultures and different languages, foods and everything. So it was great to meet those people from the famous cities that I've always heard about and the famous universities that we always keep hearing about. Uh, Places like Mumbai and Delhi, Chennai, mm-hmm. and you, you're getting to interact with kids who, who are studying in the universities where millions of others aspire to be. So instead of like, you know, kind of feeling, and I remember in the beginning, I was a little bit also uh, intimidated by them because for me those as i mentioned it it's about labels india was a lot about labels and they were mm-hmm. predominantly coming from the top tier institute so i was always uh, kind of intimidated by their presence uh, but only after interacting with them and breaking that barrier i realized that hey you know what they are also humans like uh, yeah it's just the image that you associate with a group of people or you you sort of ascertain that they might be of this particular or that particular, uh, you know what I mean? What you're projecting on them. Exactly. Exactly. It's your version of who they might be versus who they actually are. Yeah. So you put them on like a a pedestal that, I mean, it's actually not there, but because I put myself on pedestal (laughs) in that, in this, (laughs) in this sense, and, yeah. and them on the road. Yeah, that's true. Um, but when I sp- started speaking to them and some of them became really good friends and I was like, you know, like I, I feel very good about it. And at that time, I was, uh, when I joined the organization, I was 19. So like as a 19 year old, when you interact with people from all over the country uh, in an unsupervised environment where you can just be yourself, uh, mm-hmm. it's great, man. It's liberating. India overall is a very controlling country. Like everyone mm-hmm. watches you, everyone judges you. And that was probably one of the first places where, where, where no one was doing that at such a young age. So it was mm-hmm. liberating uh, in that sense. 
I'm really curious to know because you went through a lot of different changes. I mean, of course, moving to another city, as you already said, like mm-hmm. it's completely different than your own city because people speak a different language. It's a different, it's, it's yeah. ethnically different. And then you joined politics and then in between you found Isaac and then you went to a completely different country, yeah. uh, Australia. So how did you manage that change when you were in Australia? And I, you were there for a year. Yeah, I did. And I, <laughs> it's funny that it was Australia, right? Because uh, it was not planned like that. Um, I wanted to just explore the world. And like any other kid in high school, uh, when I was exposed to sitcoms for the first time, uh, mm-hmm. I realized... Uh, because we did not have uh, sitcoms televised on our television channels. So we had to, uh, for the lack of a better word, uh, let's say peer to peer source it uh, mm-hmm. from each other. And when, when I was doing it, they of course I got exposed to uh, the US way of life and the American dream. And of course it was always the idea to move out and see um, America. <laughs> Uh, yeah. and, uh, that, that was the idea. Right. But then when I joined the organization, Isaac, I realized that there is much more to world than us. Uh, mm-hmm. it's just that I was not aware of it, that there is so much more to the world. Yeah. But I think that most, most people think the same because yeah. of the, the kind of the monopoly the U S has over mm-hmm. the media market. Yeah. Or had, right. Because now there is a hegemony gap and like, you know, other Asian countries are stepping in to fill it like Korea yeah. and for now, yeah, Korea and even European uh, content. But yeah, at that time, it was definitely the US hegemony. Uh, and then I would say that um, I, when I was in ISAC, I got this chance that, you know, you can apply for a national team on a leadership role and be in some other country. I, mm-hmm. I was like, let's try for Europe and Australia. Why Australia? Because I think this is where my subconscious kicked in. That mm-hmm. initial dream of this uh, three, like this this kid in the third standard, where would his mm-hmm. ship go? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that ship had to to sail, and the idea was, uh, yeah, Australia. And it actually makes sense because you know Australia island ship. <laughs> just kidding just kidding uh no it's like uh and also my family was there right so i had this uh idea that even if i'm moving out for the first time i will have some mental support even though i was not planning to live with them or around them or anything Mm -hmm. but it was a great opportunity to to have some mental support if needed uh Mm -hmm. and when i moved to australia i had like a lot of expectations things thoughts and most of them were overwhelm- overwhelmingly met like when it came, when it comes to food oh my god mm-hmm. like <laughs> food culture social life very good um yeah. very different than india um a lot of chance to experiment and explore mm-hmm. what really happened after a few months I was there. So like, I think five or six months after I was there, I realized uh, that, you know, I'm not really feeling the vibe of being in Australia, like an Mm -hmm. Australian Australian. And I tried to dig down on that feeling. And I Mm -hmm. think the reason 
primarily for me was well, uh, I observed it's a country where a lot of cultures come together. So it's a yeah. melting pot of a lot of cultures. It's an immigrant friendly, predominantly immigrant, immigrant nation. Uh, mm -hmm. However, there was a clear lack of integration between the communities. So yeah, you could go to a neighborhood in Sydney and you could say, ah, this is a Turkish neighborhood. Oh, this mm -hmm. is the Lebanese neighborhood. This is mm -hmm. the Indian. This is the Bangladeshi. This is the Pakistani. Mm -hmm. And you know, the city was divided into these unofficial gentrification, I would say. Mm -hmm. And that really made me question that uh, is it is it really what I think it is? Is it people are coming here for a good life and great opportunity, but for themselves and they're not really like living as one? Because I was always used to in India, like you always live as one because it's a homogeneous uh, set of people. So, mm -hmm. so here it was uh, quite strange for me. And what I really wanted to experience was in a cultural immersion. So to mm -hmm. immerse myself in another culture. But here there were so many different cultures yeah. to immerse into, but not really because they wouldn't interact with each other that much. Yeah. And of course, please do not take me f uh, for my word. There, there will always be exceptions. There will always be people. Yeah. Uh, but I'm talking more from a population, overall population perspective. And mm -hmm. also, uh, I was living with people from different countries in the same apartment. So, I had like mm -hmm. Australians, Canadians, uh, Chinese, uh, people from uh, Colombia. So like, you know, quite, quite a lot of uh, different nationalities. So I had that, I had that exposure. I had that, I was happy with mm -hmm. my environment. But when I would go out and be a stranger and try to interact with others, uh, I would, I would sense uh, a certain blockade in that sense. And even if you mm -hmm. observe, you know, when you drive around the city, you take the metro to, 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 to you, you look at, you observe. Uh, and I, and I saw that gap of being able to immerse in the culture. Mm -hmm. And that's really what pushed me to explore a place where I would have a deep cultural immersion. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I also figured out was that uh, that I still want to explore the world. I still want to continue with this organization, Isaac. And mm -hmm. now I want to explore a place where I am sure not many people from the subcontinent go to so that I have something new to expose myself. To. Mm -hmm. It was very common for people to move to US, UK, Canada, yeah. Australia, New Zealand. Uh, then second level of dream would be like uh, something like europe right? because it's yeah. a little bit more complicated but when mm -hmm. people would say europe they would usually mean uh, by definition uh, germany france spain netherlands belgium like you know your western yeah. western part. uh not many people i knew and i think that's a very humble way of saying that almost no one i knew uh wanted to go to central and eastern europe yeah and not because they had no one had any apprehensions towards central and eastern europe it's just that yeah, they, they just didn't know about it it's just the awareness part you know 
like it's yeah. that and and it was very fresh for a lot of people since after the fall of the soviet union also like so it was mm-hmm. not like an obvious destination uh, mm-hmm. so yeah i i wanted to move to europe poland seemed like the choice since my mm-hmm. first interaction with a foreign national from europe was was a person from poland mm-hmm. she was on an exchange program in indoor uh, in my hometown mm-hmm. and uh, it made sense for me to fulfill a promise i made to her like years ago that if i ever have an opportunity to travel to europe i would come by poland mm-hmm. stick by it i think again like looking back there is this uh, book i read a uh, long time ago with the power of a subconscious mind it was a very basic book but very mm-hmm. nice nicely covered topics uh and i realized that you know what you put in your subconscious somewhere the other way happens and manifests itself you know mm-hmm. really really wanted that's what that, that was it for me i made a promise about poland some made a promise about let's say australia to myself so mm-hmm. so yeah that's how i ended up in poland and i'm still here uh trust me i was prepared <laughs> to move to poland just for a year or two max yeah yes but the country surprised me positively man so much yeah. so much and i think you know this as well because you are also here now <laughs> Yeah, I know this. I think it is kind of difficult to explain to people because a lot of people you meet even to this day you meet people and they're like oh wow, why did you why don't you move, you know? Why did you yeah. choose Warsaw? Why don't you go to London or why don't you go to Berlin or when I'm Munchen or or Paris cities like this? But I I believe that there's every for every person their own, but at least for me or for us like mm-hmm. there is a certain type of attraction in this city uh mm-hmm. maybe it's because of its history maybe just because it's one of the safest cities in the world <laughs> it gives mm-hmm. you a lot of opportunity to do things that you want to do and even with so much uh, like talking very practically even with so much inflation it's still very affordable to mm-hmm. move around and do things here as compared to other cities i really want to like indeed I I really want to kind of focus in on your internal change. Mhm. So who you were knowing you and what you just told us I think you were a very different person when you left India and then Indeed. you went to Australia with a certain concept of Australia in your mind. Yeah. The Australian experience so as to say. Mhm. Uh, and I think what you witness in Australia is very similar to what people witness in the US or in Canada. Of course. Mm-hmm. it's not a blanket statement mm-hmm. there are i think because the countries are so massive mm-hmm. there are areas which are completely different to each other even though everyone speaks the same language but mostly people tend to stay in their own ethnic groups yeah so usually it's like you know we call desis indians pakistanis mm-hmm. or bangladeshis they yeah. stick to each other yeah. it, because it's easier for them to form that bond and they're un, like they don't have the they don't want to be don't want to be uncomfortable yeah uh putting themselves out there to meet someone from a different so as to say race mm-hmm. 
but I think for you to take that step, you need to change internally first. Like you really need to be open to meeting others and without judgment or preconceived notions. Or even if you have those preconceived notions, like you, you're ready to challenge them. Yeah. So what, like, I really want to know what was the moment or what was your thought process of going through this internal change? Yeah. So for me, to be to be very frank, uh, I was not aware that I'm going through any internal change, right? I was just following my instinct in a way. However, uh, my motivation or my desire to move around, to move abroad, was not stemming from the fact that I am looking just looking for a better paying job because that is or a better lifestyle or a better standard of life. Mm-hmm. Because I think that is one of the strong factors and nothing against that, like, you know, nothing against that fact, because I understand that people want to upgrade their lifestyle and want to upgrade the quantity of life. And mm-hmm. it's totally fine. Uh, for me, it was a lot about really fueling my desire of exploration. Something as simple as, man, trying a steak, you know, I have, mm-hmm. I have heard about it since forever uh, when i was in india like you know there is something called a steak there is something called cheeseburger there is something like this mm-hmm. something very basic as this and just the joy of exploring that just the joy of exploring that mm-hmm. when you go to a bar you can order different beers based on different breweries and i'm like yeah mm-hmm. that's that's an experience i want to see it's not like that it doesn't mean that i love alcohol or love meat uh, exactly the opposite right now but it's the opportunity to be able to explore those things that drove mm-hmm. to have the choice to have the choice to have the awareness to have the environment where you can uh, just like really explore the the interests of your choice have conversations mm-hmm. around different topics especially because when when you are in a particular homogeneous environment you you sort of have an echo chamber of the similar thoughts like mm-hmm. and I was constantly having very challenging slash hard discussions with my flatmates who were from different countries. There were times where would we would disagree, and that's where I learned first and foremost uh, that it is it is as important as anything else for you to have the ability to agree to disagree, because mm-hmm. if you are unable to agree to disagree with someone you will always be in a constant internal or external uh, battle of proving your point and i think that is one of the biggest mm-hmm. changes i had when i was there that you know what i disagree with these thought this chain of thought but i respect that and i understand where is it coming mm-hmm. and that's a maybe that's a very generic statement but that's a very hard and that's a very strong feeling to to be comfortable with and apart from that uh as i you know i mentioned before uh that growing up in india was all about competition and trying to be the best Mm -hmm. that of course gets into your subconscious and the way you work because constantly i was trying to be the smartest person in the room essentially right Mm -hmm. what is an academic topper like what is an academic success a person who is the smartest in the room predominantly like in, mm-hmm. in the way they mention success uh, there in in, a, in our uh, continent 
and here was uh, a different experience altogether because the thought that if i am the smartest person in the room then i'm in the wrong room really resonated in this place because that's when i realized that i need to always surround myself with mm-hmm. people who are challenging my thoughts and i don't have to mm-hmm. always strive to be the smartest person in the room mm-hmm. i can be the dumbest if needed as long as i am learning and there is there is this quote if you're if you're the smartest person in the room you're you in the wrong room. room you're in the wrong room exactly yeah exactly so that's that's what i'm saying right this quote when i read it i was like yeah this this is exactly what happened to me um i realized that i'm in the wrong room then and and this was an entire it it was a diametrically opposite uh, opinion than what i had before because earlier i was trying to be the smartest person in the room always mhm and now it's very different in that sense and i'm and i'm very happy that also moving around and talking to different people different cultures and when i say this just for our uh, people who are listening like when i say mm-hmm. different people i'm just not meaning like some few countries or something we really had the chance in in isec especially to to literally be in face to face contact with people from at least 70 plus countries and i'm that's an understatement yeah. like you know it was 100 plus but let's just say for for reality yeah. sake at least 60 or 70 countries right all young people yeah, it, it was like on a regular basis it on a regular like basis a exactly on a regular basis you live with them you eat sleep uh i think like yeah i also feel like isaac kind of spoiled us but i mean there's of course no organization is perfect i always mm-hmm. give this caveat but i think isaac kind of spoiled us mm-hmm. i think the longer you stay in the organization and the higher you go in leadership mm-hmm. positions you're constantly searching for the same experience outside of the organization at least in my case it, it's like you're kind of yeah. you have this preconceived notion of what an, what a ideal company for you looks like because isaac mm-hmm. is also a company i think there are stakeholders there are shareholders who we work yeah. for uh so whenever i am in an organization i'm always kind of subconsciously mm-hmm. comparing mm, this was like this when i was there you know this could be better how many people am i interacting with how is my what is the leadership style of my mm-hmm. manager uh or like senior managers yeah. or the people that i'm with surrounded by and i feel like sometimes it's good for your own self but can be very unfair to people who haven't been a part of similar organizations mm-hmm. and i don't think it takes anything away from them like their ingenuity or them being great human beings yeah but i think you're always searching for that yeah man that's very right you know and it's just like there is no right or wrong here right because it's uh, it's how you are exposed to things because here is one example let's say for both of us being in being in this organization and let's say any organization right let's say you are a part of i don't know ncc in india boy scouts mhm lions club rotary etc yeah any organization you are a part of for multiple years there is a certain impression that is formed on your mind your mind is very impressionable at that age also you need to yeah. keep in mind so i think i think it does more 
good than harm in that sense because if you surround yourself uh with these nice and and seemingly perceiving seemingly nicely mm-hmm. perceived let's say values and and opinions and thoughts like that uh there is a big portion of your of your personality that is shaped according to it and and i think and i think our own standard of judging and i'm using air quotes in judging here because i think uh, we do inherently do that uh, mm-hmm. our our standards of judging other organizations changes right and i don't think it's that bad i think where it could be more uh, let's say thoughtful of would be when you try not to replicate everything so mm-hmm. i think there's a certain value system that you should still stick to as your non negotiables yeah and those value systems are formed at an impressionable age it's very hard i think to change your values later on in life uh, it's possible it's just harder yeah uh, and it needs more conscious effort uh but at that time you just form them right and then yes you you do judge other people by that standard and it's bad if you have a blanket statement of covering all of the people around you with just like a few parameters but i still think mm-hmm. that there should be base fundamental uh principles important for you that you still uh have a yardstick for when it comes to people around you and mm-hmm. it helped me ch- it helped me choose the organization i work for right now so it's like it helped me choose the the company i work for because uh when i was applying for jobs in the beginning after my bout at uh, isec for poland i mm-hmm. hold i held those values uh, as one of the things that i would judge the companies i would want to work for mm-hmm. and i went through research and i, I did do my due diligence in terms of talking to employees or current employees of different companies to understand how the culture is and in that way it helped me right because i'm still working for that same company that i joined after isec it's been five and a half years almost and to this day i am still working there is a testament to the fact that i do enjoy my time and my my presence in that organization mm-hmm. of course i had some challenges in fitting in yeah. the corporate world after a non-profit organization experience but uh that's a part of journey but uh, nothing nothing too extreme in that sense so let's talk about a bit about facing challenges mm-hmm. and i really want to kind of uh focus in on uh how do you overcome challenges mm-hmm. and how do you motivate yourself to keep going oh that's a that's a big one man because uh <laughs> challenges are because i am asking this question because it ties into what i'm going to ask mm-hmm. uh next which uh i think for some me some people <laughs> like people who i'm sorry i cut you yeah. off but like people who don't know you they they haven't seen your transformation i think and that has been a big transformation not only i would say a physical transformation but i think f- for someone to fundamentally alter their lifestyle mm-hmm. it's a huge mental shift as well indeed from i i'm not sure how much weight you lost and then making a habit of going to gym daily eating healthy mm-hmm. cutting out alcohol 
all of those things that were i think you were very big on in some part of your life yeah it's basically you're changing your identity yes yes i mean big on man we i, I was crazy about those things yes. <laughs> uh, no coming about talking about challenges i think for me it's like challenges the challenges that excite me are the ones that i deem pursue worthy uh okay i know there are other challenges that i have to address as well but there are times when i just don't think that they're pursuing they are worth pursuing as challenges okay so for me it's like challenges not every challenge is something i would sign up for uh but mm-hmm. if i would sign up for something i would try to give my all and you know i uh, i have a, a close a uh, circle of friends like I, i i know a lot of people but i have a really limited and close circle of friends uh yeah. and those people know me uh, because i have different personalities in this group some of my friends are and especially one or two of my close friends are uh, of this mentality where they research fast launch fast fail fast learn fast like you know so they keep mm-hmm. on trying they keep changing they and and as much as i tried to be that i couldn't be that and i i don't don't think i want to be that i am what you can call as a you know this pokemon slowpoke like <laughs> like a very balanced person who takes his time i take my time to to face a challenge mm-hmm. i prepare myself i i think about it i put whatever i can uh, to to overcoming that and then give my all and and give it in a way where i have zero regrets that hey you know what i didn't try this part or i couldn't do that part if i leave something out it is conscious so i think i progress slowly over time but i try to dabble with each challenge uh with full force uh so there are times when i am not addressing a lot of other things but i'm just picking one battles one by one and i think mm-hmm. you know in life it's not about life is a mm, marathon i would say uh mm-hmm. and if you put the war analogy in this uh then if if you have to wage a war against uh getting better and being better then you have to pick your battles where you win and yeah but I feel it's very difficult to kind of uh, get your mind around this thing that life is a marathon especially I I I feel like at least for me mm-hmm. I don't want to generalize it for anyone else but it, it's always been difficult of letting go of the fear of uncertainty mm-hmm. because you want to control everything like you're like oh you know I need to be in control of this I need to be in control of that I need to know and that's not how life works at all yeah so you start something and then you have no idea where it will lead you to mm-hmm. you're only controlling the present moment yeah like we're sitting and talking right now and then getting used to this immediate gratification cy- cycles right now oh, in the game is, that is another it's <laughs> gimmick man yeah and it's it's like letting go of that and then moving into you know a routine a disciplined life mm-hmm. it gives you so much more freedom i feel mm-hmm. than then believing this thought that you know i can wake up at whatever time i can sleep as late as i want yeah 
but i feel like you miss out on so many things if you're doing that yes yes and and that is right you know that is what changes in you as a person over over a period of time because i remember vividly that uh, i connected 9 to 5 job and a routine as boring so my initial not initial my my immediate thought whenever i heard things such as a 9 to 5 job or a routine mm-hmm. was like ah boring guy you know there is no fun in his life or her life there's no there is no excitement going on what a what a mm-hmm. what a boring way to live and it is only when i kind of started doing it for myself i realized that it gives you the opportunity to to be so efficient at the mundane things yeah so that it opens up the opportunity for you to to explore something new otherwise otherwise you will always yeah. be kind of uh, roped in to doing the basic things and if you are living that totally freestyle sort of li- uh, life then it's a different way of uh, living and different uh, different achievements that you want to have so i don't think one is good or the other i think it's more about like you know how you see yourself and what kind of life you look for yourself i know people i know friends who are right now digital nomads and mm-hmm. they're very successful in being digital nomads like uh, mm-hmm. there's a common friend both of uh, that we know of, yeah. right uh, and he has been out and about for more than 2 years now and yeah. he has every month we see him in a new country right yeah but that that suits him yeah there are other people we know who are also digital nomads uh, traveling around the world even as couples yeah. even as couples um but but then when i asked myself this question hey rick you know what what would you like to be would it would it would you prefer that and i did experiment with that i i did try to work remotely and everything um yeah but i realized no it's not for me you know so nothing yeah. against them nothing for me also it's just i think uh what sort of setting makes you uh fully efficient and and be fully there mhm yeah i mean it also kind of ties into this thing you know grass is not always greener on the other side so what works for someone yeah. else exactly. definitely is not sure that it will work for you as well exactly i you know there there are so many quotes about this grass green side uh stuff <laughs> where is this grass <laughs> uh for me I, now i believe in the new one uh, and of course it may change in the future but right now what i believe in is a, a grass is greener where you water it you know uh, yeah so but that's true and then that's that's how i look at it right now <laughs> yeah and it's, it's the same like uh same thing with habits same thing with mm-hmm. our thoughts like you mentioned this book power of the subconscious mind mm-hmm. i also dabbled in reading <laughs> it a bit <laughs> and yeah. the thing it it seems like a very wishy washy kind of book yeah, you know at is. first that's why i said basic but if you go a bit but if you go a bit deeper yeah. i feel like it, the, the simplest concepts and books mm-hmm. that seem very wishy washy they're written from a very deep perspective yes. but they're made like they they simplify a lot of complex things for people to read yeah. anywhere and it's so simple that if you have positive thoughts and if you have thoughts of encouragement mm-hmm. for yourself 
those translate into actions that then become your positive habits but if you're constantly degrading yourself mm-hmm. or you know mentally hurting yourself your life is a reflection of that as well indeed so if you're watering the grass it will grow <laughs> if not then it will not it will die yeah indeed and and yes um this the, this book is one example of how you know you can communicate something so complex which is about your subconscious mind in such a simple way mm-hmm. and uh, it's very true like uh, the examples about moving to australia moving to poland like a lot of your things that you put in your subconscious uh, do manifest uh, themselves if if you just put those efforts consistently and and the subconscious thought is consistent and doesn't change that much uh mm-hmm. and and the same example i remember when um, I, i was in i was just finishing my high school and there was this dream like job scenario and traveling by aeroplanes was still a fantasy for me because it was not something mm-hmm. i was exposed to or not had the privilege of let's say experiencing uh so i had this thought that you know what if i get a job or what if i have an opportunity to like use aeroplanes as a mode of transport wouldn't that be great mm-hmm. and lo and behold like you know isaac gave me a great opportunity yeah. to really really explore that part of my life like uh, i would have never imagined that uh, that i would travel so much like you know there was a time when i was going to a new country every month uh, so Mm-hmm. so i remember this year that i did like 12 new countries in 12 months and that would be totally impossible for me to even imagine but what really helped me was like the subconscious that that you know i need to do this is this, this is the direction mm-hmm. i want to go towards and yeah it leads you to places um so coming back to this uh, part of question about challenge uh, and making yeah. a full circle on it <laughs> it's uh, at the end of the day i think uh, picking your own battles uh, and preparing your yeah. mind for which battle you want to really fight uh, at a given point so why did you choose to to i think it's two years ago that you chose to change your life mm-hmm. lifestyle what what was the moment that you were like okay i need to do this for myself for my future self to lose weight to be healthy yeah so i think uh, the thought goes way beyond 2 years uh, so i have been obese my almost entire life right so mm-hmm. i have been uh, i have been called names and all those things so th- those kind of th- thoughts do stick to your mind but then you have a defense mechanism at some point Mm-hmm. and everyone finds a way of coping up my way of coping up with that was trying to be the smartest person in the room which uh, mm-hmm. i discovered a few years ago might not be the best strategy ever so then there was this identity <laughs> crisis of who am i really you know uh, and also i had some challenging mental uh, periods so i was going through a tough mental time uh, like 3 or 4 years ago Uh, you know those questions about figuring out life uh, where you stand in 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 the world what is your contribution uh, mm-hmm. what for your legacy be like those kind of big questions uh, <laughs> that propel you to think about your direction in life and i, I was amongst those questions um, i 
I realized that to live a long and fulfilling life, I need to feel great about waking up every day. And that was not mm-hmm. the case at that moment. Uh, and then COVID hit. Uh, and bear in mind that at that time, until that time, I had acknowledged myself as being an obese person as a part of my personality. And the only way mm-hmm. to deal with those things was uh, how I go around the topic in justifying myself in other ways. Uh, so being more successful maybe professionally or being more successful amongst friends or trying to be a more funny person, being sarcastic, mm-hmm. etc. You know, different nuances, different ways. And during COVID, when uh, when they said that, you know, it's the obese and the people who are diabetic are at high risk in the beginning uh, times, mm-hmm. I think that was the trigger moment for me. I was not at all afraid of COVID as such. Uh, I was mm-hmm. least afraid of it because uh, thankfully enough, I was in a very privileged place at that time. I was still in Warsaw in this uh, area that I'm living in, which is very, very safe and very controlled mm-hmm. in that sense. So I was not afraid of that, but what I was like, uh, what triggered in my mind was, you know, like you never know how life will hit you at certain point. And if you are not at your best shape physically, Mm -hmm. then you are not facing life challenges in the best version possible. And for Mm -hmm. me, uh, it was a moment of saying it's enough uh, because Anything can happen, like today is COVID, then in future can be something else. And then people who yeah. are unhealthy, people who are like obese or diabetic uh, are at the risk of this and are at the risk of that and mm-hmm. at the risk of this. So I was like, you know, let's change that. Let's try to work on that. So I did not, I did not plan a full transformation as such. I just wanted to feel better. And that was one part of the thought. Then the second part of the thought was regarding mental health. No matter how much I read, how much I try to convince myself, most of the books, most of the things, uh, even my even my uh, consultations, led to this conclusion that until unless you do not induce physiological changes in your body chemically, mm-hmm. you are making it harder for yourself. To, to have a good mental balance and good mental life, good mental mm-hmm. health. And I think I needed that sort of scientific explanation to pursue this. What I was lacking mm-hmm. in my life was, uh, I think, the, the scientific awareness of how mental health is tied to physical health. Uh, and mm-hmm. as much as I knew it in, like, you know, in a blanket statement, just like, the blanket statement of do good, be good, feel good, uh, like that. I was not aware of the deeper meaning of this. So mm-hmm. how moving yourself, how uh, inducing physical uh, conscious pain in a mental day changes you and your neural system and your ne- neuroplasticity, like neuroplasticity is triggered and how, how things happen in your body. So when I got to know mm-hmm. about these, I will not bore you with like those. 
biological details which by the way is uh, another pastime of mine is to read about these things <laughs> now yeah uh, but yeah when i was convinced that yes there is scientific proof in it and there is a lot of weightage to it uh, i mm-hmm. started going to the gym and that's it that's the only thing i did i started feeling good about it and then mm-hmm. uh, another wave of covid hit and gyms were closed so I was like ah oh, yeah. man what do i do now um mm-hmm. then i started doing home workout which is something i would have never imagined myself doing it's <laughs> yeah. like knowing you i would never imagine that as well <laughs> yeah i mean i would never imagine myself doing that I did some home workout and then i was like you know while i'm at home i was like because there is no interested in going out and doing anything let me experiment with that because that is the other thing uh, all the research pointed out to that and it's a very old age saying in the training world and in the world of uh, physical fitness that you can never out train a bad diet so mhm so i realized that yeah i can never out train a bad diet so i started making some changes incremental changes stopped quit stopped eating sugar first uh as a first rule then started introducing intermittent fasting into my daily life and uh, that worked for me i mean many things work for other people many other things work for others yeah. for me intermittent fasting seemed doable uh, mm-hmm. i did it and i felt great about uh, how i felt in in a fasting period so more mental clarity more agility more uh, focus uh, which was totally opposite to what i thought fasting would be <laughs> uh so so yeah i got addicted to to the feel good factor of being able to focus being la- laser sharp uh, in in parts and that really helped me in helping uh, my game i think in the, in the nutrition side of things mhm like experimenting with different kinds of things yeah then there was a time then i was where i was weighing my food counting calories macronutrients micronutrients pros and cons of mm-hmm. each uh now more or less i have a mental model of how things work but once in a while every once in a week i still weigh everything just to be sure that i'm still on track uh, for my <laughs> perceived notions when i look at portion sizes but yeah more oh, i think man you should be extremely proud of yourself and i know we've had this conversation before that you're like you know you're a bit iffy on this part <laughs> i don't know uh, the reasoning behind it but i feel that you it's very difficult to overcome yourself i think like you can fight with anyone else outside <laughs> and it seems easy because you can just leave you know you 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 can block that person <laughs> or whatever but overcoming your very well set patterns and changing them i think is one of the most difficult thing to do and you've i think you've set yourself up for quite a healthy and successful life just by tweaking this i hope so man so, <laughs> thank you for saying that but yeah i hope so and also you know uh, i thought about it because i uh, i know you you pointed this out at some point before as well uh, about why am i iffy about uh, about this and i think it's a lot about tying back to what happens when you grow up and i think a lot of those things stick with you and i think one of the mm-hmm. things is uh, being afraid of 
accepting success uh mm-hmm. with the fear of failing in the future you know you have a certain sort yeah. of feeling what if i fail in the future so uh, i know i know that feeling i need to, i need to overcome that as well uh in the sense that accept what good has already happened and be sure that it will continue rather than doubting will it or not now i'm more or less sure that i will hopefully continue because i was in india for a long period of time like 5 months last year and the year before another 4 months so total of 9 months in india in the last 2 years and i managed to continue with my routine and with my schedule uh instead of being influenced by the lifestyle in india i i think i yeah. impacted my parents and people around me by introducing them to mine uh mm-hmm. so in that sense i feel uh, good about uh, continuing with this but yeah it's a big journey man uh, they are still exploring you know the scientific research is new the intermittent fasting is not old that old like in terms of research backed uh, approach because it was a, an approach deep in our religious texts you know year thousands of years ago but of course uh, got lost over time and now we are coming back to a lot of things that made sense in the past and even new discoveries yeah yesterday uh, i met a friend of common friend of ours uh, ari who was uh, yeah who was your first guest in the very first episode of of being borderless and um and yeah we were to, we ended up to, imagine we were at a party and we ended up talking about uh gut microbiome and the new research on <laughs> i wouldn't put that far from you both you <laughs> talk about this in a party but it was good right? it was like because it's just such a new research you know it's just a couple of years old in this uh, in this whole world of nutrition and science uh, mm-hmm. which is which is uh, exciting because uh, no one looked into gut microbiome before in as detail as they are looking at it now and how much is connects to depression anxiety mood stability yeah. as well as uh, immunity uh and yeah if, if you are listening guys like uh, take care of your gut microbiome like you know be diverse <laughs> uh if, yeah if you really want to believe in the right. concept of diversity start with gut microbiome <laughs> thank you so much dr eric not doctor at all sorry <laughs> uh so i've been doing this thing and thank you for sharing all of that i really appreciate it as a last thing i've been asking all the guests mm-hmm. to leave a question for the next guest mm. so and i took this from another podcast called I diary know. of a ceo i i i realized this i yeah. think i would recommend everyone to listen to it as it's well it's a good it's podcast a while we are at it wait while Bye. we are at it uh, i i want to plug in a couple of podcasts for people to listen <laughs> i okay, i sure. think if you are into this topic of health and nutrition you should really look into a guy called andrew huberman if you haven't already seen him uh great podcast called podcasts uh, great podcaster great content as well as uh, Tim Spector and Dr. Rhonda Patrick, uh, all of them are good uh, for all these uh, life slash organizational slash employee matters. Uh, Adam Grant, right, uh, as a good podcaster, he also hosts the TED podcast, um, and uh, <clears throat> and for my 
for my Indian friends for just a laugh and giggle. Uh, also, I think it's good to look into some some light podcasts such as uh, the internet side. So I really like this podcast from India. Uh, just fun, like you know, random topics. Uh, yeah. And in the future, uh, I'm sure the future guests will start recommending being borderless as well very soon. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. So the question I have for you from my previous guest mm-hmm. is imagine you're 99 years old. What is the moment that you would want to le- relive but knowing that you cannot change anything about that moment? I am assuming um that's a good question and that's a very thought provoking question to be honest. Um, I would say right now, if I look at my life, I think almost all moments I would like to relive no matter what. Um, I think that, I think if I'm 99, I would want to live at that moment where I, where I am. Uh, again okay. so you know i i don't think i want i would want to relive something uh because i i have a feeling that if i will relive something and it would be slightly different than how i imagined it to be in the past it would ruin my memory of it mm-hmm. i think i would want to live being 99 years old at that moment uh and hopefully being able to enjoy that moment to the fullest and no i wouldn't want to live something from the past again uh, I would like to have a memory of it mm-hmm. and, you know, not risk uh, tainting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, thank so, yeah. you so much, Mr. Indranil, for being with us today and blessing us with your knowledge on gut biome. <laughs> <laughs> not just that day. Let's talk about it someday, you know, like uh, in a party. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And I'm also lo- looking forward to our second episode with you, which is which we will do in on the Independence Day of India and Pakistan. Oh my God, the hot topic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. gonna be a spicy one. <laughs> <laughs> Just like our food, man. Just like our food. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, bro. Thank you so much, Musa. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you so much, Mister. Being borderless. Pleasure. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Catch you. Catch you on the flip side. Yeah, indeed.